what we focus on here, Look Right Naked podcast, I mean, we've known each other for a long period of time. So we like to simplify really fat loss and, and people helping them transform their lives without living in the gym and really having a long-term sustainable approach, something you definitely uh, definitely know about. And so I would like to jump into both your experience in helping people lose over a million pounds. That's incredible. And then we can pivot into the business stuff as well, because one thing I think we both realize, like there are a ton of parallels between fat loss, changing your body, and then of course, business and running a team and relationships and all of those. And I like to keep things just kind of nice, free flowing, and, and we just let it roll from there. Thanks for having me on, Eric. I'm pumped, man. Like you said, we've known each other for a while. You kind of saw my whole story. Uh, you kind of came in on like chapter five of 10, but yeah, it was all kind of out there. So happy to talk about yeah. whatever you want to talk about. Yeah. Yeah, man, definitely. And I totally get what you mean in terms of like, <laughs> you know, illnesses and kids. I know you're like full-time dad now, you know, my daughter's <clears throat> three and a half and like, she's had a couple different things going on in terms of little illnesses. And then lately it's almost been like, almost like a sleep regression where middle of the night she's waking up like probably three days a week. And she wants either my wife or I to sleep on the floor with her for a little while. And like, oh, dude, like mid thirties, like things are hitting a little bit different now, like sleeping on a hard ass floor. Yeah, yeah. It is a, uh, it is rough. It is rough. It's, but It's uh, crazy. Like I said, I've been like sick for like a month. Like I, I would recover, I'd get hit again. And that's like with all the love these kids give you, they give you 10 times more germs. I'm just exactly my, my voice, my nose, my throat. Uh, so I'll do my best here. I sound like I'm yeah. bubble. Hey, we got the nasally podcast. We're up and rolling. Mike, so you have helped people collectively lose over a million pounds. That is incredible. Did you ever think something to that scale would have been possible when you started your business? So no, like the, the really early journey was like, I'm just going to train people in my garage and hopefully make enough money with this one to two hour thing I could do after work that I can quit my main gig. So uh, I never thought any of this. Um, I'm what I would call a career underachiever, always kind of hoping things would happen uh, a lot like many of the people we've helped with fat loss, just kind of waiting for the good stuff to come. And after a while, I was like, hey, it's not coming. I have to do something different. Uh, pivoted from the garage gym to online nutrition, just started talking, posting, helping people, trying to solve every little issue that I saw that I didn't think other traditional diets were solving. And things just got crazy, man. Like we, we grew to um, one of America's fastest growing companies. We didn't really do marketing um, in a traditional sense. We had a great team of awesome RDs and coaches and then ultimately sold the business in 2021. And yeah, so we've helped over 50,000 people lose more than a million pounds. And that these numbers are just crazy to me because in my head, I'm just like this normal dude that had an idea and the stars aligned and I happened to be the right person at the right time. And there was a lot of hard work and a lot of luck and all that fun stuff that made that journey happen for myself, my team and thousands of people. Like that's just, it's so crazy to me. And I'm like such a, such a weirdo. And I step back all the time <laughs> now. And I think about like in another alternate universe, there's a Mike out there that still has that job he doesn't like. And there are so many people that are not helped who may have been worse off because they chose a different approach than what we created and gave them. Like, it's just, you know, that's what I do with my free time now is I think about weird stuff. <laughs> yeah, you, you pontificate about the past and how it could be different. Yeah, yeah. 
I love it. I love it. So what were you doing before you jumped into the coaching component? Because you mentioned, you know, being a career underachiever, it sounds like yeah. working corporate is not satisfied with what you're doing, not leaving an impact. Please yeah, elaborate. So I, my background is I, when I graduated school, like I was college or uh, high school, I was super shy. Like I didn't want to go away to college. So I was like, all right, I'm going to stay local. I'm going to go to community college. Went for business management, took four years to get a two-year degree because that was just who I was at the time. Just skating along, right? Worked in banking for a while, finally got into like human resources where I was like, all right, maybe I can like train people at these jobs and hire and do interviews and all that stuff. But it was still like AI could easily replace that job. Like if we had direct deposit, I wouldn't even need to have that job. Like it was yeah. one of those like small offices. It was in like pediatrics. We helped, um, we staffed nurses in homes of medically fragile children. So like it was a, it was like a, a real good, honorable job but i just you know drove 40 minutes to work each way there and back sat on a computer could go on facebook luckily which was a big the origin story was i had access to the internet at all these other jobs so i could train myself to learn fitness nutrition and communication on the internet which is probably not something a lot of people can do if they have a higher level career where they're actually doing a lot of work but i mean it was really one of those jobs where like you can get it done in like eight hours a week and you just mess around for the rest of the time. And that's very common. So like if that is one of the listeners, like take advantage of that. You know, I was hiding in bathrooms and just going online and doing my thing. But that was it. I was there for six years and I was like, I got to get out of here, man. I really didn't think that it was possible to have a career that impacted people and paid you enough where you could be comfortable and enjoy yourself. That's incredible. And Hearing, you know, working a job where, you know, maybe you have a little bit more flexibility to explore interests. You know, you didn't spend that time getting into arguments on Twitter or bantering back and forth with things like that. Well, maybe a little bit, maybe a little bit (laughs) on Facebook, but it, it was still all together with an idea of an impact that you wanted to leave directly through helping people transform their lives. And so like, why did, why did fitness become that thing for you, especially with a background in HR, in finance? Like what led you to commit to the fitness side of things? Because you didn't go through and do your CSCS and, you know, every single certification under the sun. Yeah. I, well, I figured, all right, I'm kind of into this stuff. Like I was getting a lot more serious myself with it. Um, I had some good coaches, Alex Viata, Trevor Cashy, like these guys were just some of the best and not enough people know about them. Um, and I just said, all right, well, what's the easiest way to get into this field? And for me, it sounds funny, but I was like, CrossFit, I'll affiliate with CrossFit. I'll, I, I know this stuff. Like, I don't want to do a nine month certification program. I'm just going to do the quick thing, which is kind of a good thing and a bad thing for our industry, how easy it is to be one of us, right? Yeah. Even nutrition certifications, like a lot of them are open book and the clients don't know that. So like, what do the clients base your knowledge on? Basically what you say and who you've helped. So I knew that that was going to be a big part of how to get into it is just share the information that I knew. And I was super insecure about it. And I think there's times where I still am because I am one of those people that just like kind of woke up and was like, I'm a coach. I got that CrossFit certification. I went to Massachusetts, passed the test, and I affiliated in my garage with CrossFit. And luckily for me, like that gave me access to like really awesome networks. I think the CrossFitters are like some of the hardest working, some of the best clients we've ever had. And that's kind of how I just broke in. I was like, well, what's the easiest way to do it? That's the easiest way. 
I'm a coach. Then I'll do an easy certification with nutrition. I knew what I needed to know from a science standpoint. I just needed credentials more personally. So I felt like I could do the thing. And we, we yeah. joke in the field, like most clients never ask or never care what your credentials are. They just want to make sure you can help them. And luckily I was able to show that as I progressed in the, in the field. Yeah. Yeah. Some of the best advice I got early on was nobody cares how much you know until they know how much you care. And one thing you've done exceptionally well is you're very approachable down to earth. Like, I feel like the first time I met you, I feel like, you know, we can just sit down and have a beer and just shoot the shit. You know, it's like, I love having that just kind of relationship with somebody as soon as I meet them and your ability to take things that are generally very complex, especially now the fitness industry continues to get more convoluted where people look for a study on every minute detail. And then they use that as a marketing positioning statement while negating all the other evidence, you know, and you have always done a fantastic job of like, Hey, you know what? Like, this is a simple thing that you need to focus on right now. And through that approach is how you've been able to make a huge impact and really establish and be able to exit an incredibly successful brand. And so you got started not trying to be perfect with it. You just did one small step in one small step. How is that similar to your beginnings in business to somebody trying to lose that body fat? When you look at how all this stuff works, it's like, you just have to act. Like I think a lot of our colleagues, they want to get everything perfect before they even begin. The perfect copy, the perfect website, the perfect body, the perfect headshot, the perfect Instagram, like everything. And then nothing actually happens. And that's a lot like some of our clients. They just kind of do all these random things or they try to learn from all these random places. They follow like 500 different fitness people. They subscribe to 100 YouTube channels. They have DVDs from back in the day. They have thigh masters and Pelotons and ab rollers and all this stuff. And it's like, you're not even using this stuff. You're just feeling like you're doing it. Like you're psychologically doing the thing, but you're not physiologically doing the thing. So you just have to act. And that was like, for me, it was like, what is, what is most people's biggest issue? Like they don't know how much they eat. And I'm like, there's probably a lot of people that don't like me because of how like confident I am in that. And I am confident in that issue because I have seen more than most people simply because of the time spent online. That is not a, I'm not trying to brag about my knowledge. It's just my access to people that need help. The problem is they eat too much. They don't know it. They don't know how to reduce it or change it or swap things out. They don't know that their coffee at Starbucks has 500 calories. They don't know that the wine leads to crappy sleep, which leads to more food and irritability, which leads to sitting around, not working out. So it's like, what is the biggest issue for people? How do you solve that? Because if you solve the biggest issue, everything else falls into place. So where all these guys in this industry are saying all this crazy stuff, like, you know, the people that we don't really, we don't really mess with those people because we know they're just selling some nonsense. But they sound so compelling. Like you said, they, they find one study and they're like, hey, this is it. And then you find out like they misrepresented the study on a podcast that goes out to 3 million people. And now our job as fitness professionals is to dissect bad information. And I tell this to all, all our buddies, right? I'm like, you have to get good at knowing what your clients are being exposed to 
and how to knock that stuff down without making feel like people feel like an idiot. Like you have to be like, all right, you watch that documentary on Netflix. I'm going to know about it. I had a good friend the other day. They hit me up. He's like, hey, I was on the treadmill doing a, a long walk and I watched Game Changers. What do you think? And I was like, dude, here's a bunch of information. Here's some links that other people put probably a hundred hours into debunking it. You don't need that. And I'm like, dude, I can't be friends with you anymore. You've worked out with me. You know that I talk about this stuff. Like, and I'm joking, yeah. with them, obviously, but that's the like, why would anyone listen to me? Just some regular old dude with not a ton of followers, like relatively speaking, versus like someone that's on like a Huberman Lab podcast. Dude, that's big fish, you know? Yeah. I mean, there's a there's a difference between being able to look at studies and pick out a few things directly from it and having the experience of working with 50,000 people losing a million pounds and having the data points of what actually works with a significant number of people. At the end of the day, what we're judged by is not what we say. It's the results that we bring, right? And you stand really above and beyond with that. And so, yeah, you talk about people not knowing how much they eat. That's such a common issue, right? A lot of people want to look at hormonal things going on and not to say that that doesn't matter, but the reality is if there's a hormonal issue, just as an example, you're still overeating if you're getting body fat. It doesn't matter if you had a downregulation of metabolic function or not. And being able to track and gain awareness on how much you're eating is absolutely crucial. Um, I've looked at a number of different studies on this. So, I mean, don't quote me directly on them, but like the average person underestimates how much they eat by about 25%. Yeah. And mm -hmm. fitness trackers, right, which are so popular right now. I mean, I've got an Apple Watch on. This was a study from the University of Stanford found that the average one is off like 27% in terms of calorie expenditure. So you get people who are dramatically overestimating how much they're burning off. And that might not even be the most important thing when we're in the gym. I would say it's not. Right. And then they're dramatically underestimating how much they eat. And so without that awareness, it becomes incredibly problematic to make good decisions with what you're doing. And data needs to direct our decisions if we're going to be able to make a change. And that's the biggest thing. Like when I say people eat more than they think, I'm not necessarily saying you're lying to us. Like, yes, that does happen in life, right? People lie. But for the most part, it's just no one trained you how to do this. Like you don't know how this works. You're not maybe aware of how to measure food. You don't know what happens when you cook rice versus cook chicken. One gains water weight, one loses water weight. You're eyeballing a serving of peanut butter. Like you probably had two and a half times what the serving is. So like, I don't blame people. Like they're dealing with the, the environment that they're in with this prehistoric biology. That's like, Hey, I want you to survive. So I'm just going to nudge you all day long to eat. Like, what do you think is going to happen? And then we have this issue with the definition of enough, right? Like there's a lot of people that probably do need to eat 14, 1500 calories to, to maintain their weight, to lose weight and maybe a little more to maintain. They will say, that's just not enough. And it's like, well, if you were living in the woods, you would be really happy that that's all you needed because that means you don't have to catch as many fish or squirrels as you think. But because you have modern grocery stores and Uber Eats, and if you hit a button, you're getting more than 1,400 calories in 45 minutes, that's why you don't think it's enough. It's a budgeting issue. Like that's, I think, the, a big, big problem now. Yeah, it's so convenient. And you mentioned the biological you know, mechanisms that make us more likely to yeah. overeat. I mean, just the reality of it. And yeah, nobody tells you how to really prepare healthy food. Nobody tells you, hey, if you cook with three tablespoons of oil, as you've done forever, that you're adding another 250 calories directly to it. And over the course of time, 250, you know, over the course of a year can easily be that five to seven pounds that you're gaining without even realizing it. And right. It's like, year, oh, olive oil is good for me. Yes. 
So is water, but you don't want to drink two gallons a day. Like it's the dosage. And that's why like I'm such a, I'm so annoying about tracking, at least in the beginning, because I think, like I said, the biggest thing is people aren't aware. They label thing as like healthy, non-healthy, good, bad. You know, that's super controversial these days. But like that's that's what people need to know is like don't classify things like that. Think about total calories and if it makes sense for you in that moment. Definitely. And, you know, this kind of comes from more like the mindset, discipline, stuff that we see a lot of times where some people really struggle with structure. They're like, oh, my God, if I have too much structure, it's going to limit me. I don't want to <laughs> be in a box. But ultimately, like, it's not how it works. Having some structure or being able to track actually develops more freedom and flexibility to fit the things that you want while still getting the outcome that you want. And personally, I mean, hey, I've tracked. I do not track at this point. It's not something I, I very much enjoy, but I will do it on occasion. But for most people, it's like if you do it for 30 days, literally, if you track your food for 30 days, you will learn more shit about nutrition, about serving sizes, how much to eat, where your struggle points are, than you will in any certification I've taken with nutrition just by doing that one thing. That's again, why I'm such a pain in the butt about it. Like <laughs> your problem is you don't have information. This will give you information. This will leapfrog you to the knowledge that you're hoping you gain from maybe eight years of doing some other shit. It's just, it's just a fast forward button to, to what you need to get out of your own way. But I think, and this is something I probably didn't do great at earlier on was like, I didn't prepare people for like how long maybe they had to do it or how to transition well enough. And I think that's like over time and with more experience, we got really good at. And I think that's just like a tip for other coaches is like paint the picture of what happens after the tracking or the deficit, how they maintain, what the new goals are, all that stuff. Because people hear like, oh, I need to eat 1,400 calories, 1,500 calories to, to lose weight. Like that doesn't necessarily mean the amount they're going to live on. But they need to know that because then it's like an end in sight. Like if someone said, I want you to run on a treadmill, you're like, well, how long? Like a mile, two miles? Okay. And now I know where the end is. If we just say run, like people are going to be like, holy crap, am I, I, I going to be on here for five hours? Like I need to know. So, you know, the challenge is we don't know how long this stuff will take because like there's detours and things. Yeah. But I think we can do a better job painting that picture. But, you know, I think people are generally scared of the word deficit. They think deficit equals starvation when people like you and I are like, no, it's a few hundred less calories. It's like maybe like a couple spoons less of oil. Or instead of going out to eat tonight, you make dinner. Like you just created the deficit. Congratulations. That was easy. Yeah. Small hinges can swing big doors when it comes to yeah. nutrition. <laughs> You know, one thing that I found is like now more than ever, because information is so accessible, which is a great thing, <laughs> the way <laughs> the way that so much content is put out there, everyone's becoming a better marketer in a sense that in terms of copywriting headlines, in terms of making things catchy. Um, and it's not necessarily a bad thing, but if it's misapplied, it can be a bad thing. And so what I'm finding is people are more knowledgeable about nutrition, about health, about all these things, which is great. But what is often lacking is the depth of knowledge or what I say, like there is a wealth of knowledge, but a deficit of wisdom. And wisdom is knowing what tips to apply and when, right? And so it's like, can this diet work for you? It can. Can intermittent fasting work? For a short period, it can be a very good tool. Can ketogenic diets, can all these things, do they have a place? 
They can. It's not attractive marketing to be like, well, it depends. Yeah, this thing can work, but how long will it work? And there's a lot of individual nuance. And so people will listen to a podcast. They will see some catchy 15 second reel and they'll be like, this is the thing I'm going to do. And then it stops working and they don't have the context to know what to apply from that time period going forward. And I think that's one of the toughest things both from the coach's perspective of like, to an extent, you have to be able to make something attractive enough for people to try it when they've tried so many things that haven't worked, but then to build a trust in your ability to show them what is coming up next. you know, And that's like the dilemma, both from the consumer perspective of like, how long does this work and is it relevant for me? And then from the coach's perspective of, how can I help somebody? How can I reach them knowing that there's so much saturation, but then show them the right way to have a practical, sustainable, long-term approach? That is hands down the hardest thing and probably when i when i look back and think of like like anything i'm proud of is like how we were able to make people do what we needed to do while sounding harder than other things because like if you say like oh oh just cut carbs or just eat this or only eat at these times like that sounds so much easier than like hey i want to know how much you're eating and that requires you to like weigh and measure food for a little while like people will run for the hills when they hear that I think we did well with it and others do well with it because we show the value of what that provides. And I think if people are aware of the value they get from something, which is basically sales, right? They're going to they're going to do it. So like when we tell people like, "Hey, like I think your issue might be that you might not necessarily know how much you're eating, so tracking will solve that. So then you'll never have to wonder again." And oh, by the way, like you like cookies and you like pizza and you want to have a glass of wine here and there, like that can fit over here. And that's, I posted about it maybe last week. I was like, coaches now I think are like getting away from the flexibility and they're accidentally telling everyone to just eat clean. They're like, oh, limit processed foods, eat protein and veggies at every meal. Well, what does that translate? That says eat clean, which is what a lot of us wanted to debunk that this doesn't really have a meaning. And these people can eat the cupcake or whatever here and there. So like I said, like, that's how I would talk. I would tell people, I will solve your problem and you will be able to eat some of these things. Now, that doesn't mean you can eat all these things. And just like money, if you're buying really silly stuff all the time, you're going to run out. But for a lot of people, that's why it worked because everyone else was telling them and every other program or book or podcast or whatever was saying, you cannot have these things. And I'm like, hey, like my wife loves baking. I have I have baked goods basically every single day. I just allot for them. And yes, maybe I burn more calories than some people. But guess what? You just eat a little bit less than I do. Can eat the same things. So Yeah, it's about fitting those things in, right? And so, you know, reflecting back at the number of people you've been able to help, like let's look at the origins in terms of somebody coming in. Let's say they're working with Mike now, knowing what you do. What does the first 30 days look like? Oh man, like if I were gonna, like what I used to do or what I would do today? <laughs> yeah, let's say what knowing what you know now, how would you approach it if you have people coming in directly to your coaching program? What advice would you give them to have them start losing that weight and get going in the right direction? Yeah, so I think it's first, it's, it's not so much what advice I would give, it's what I would want to know about them. And I think that might require me to create a slightly different business model with less volume, much higher touch, and unfortunately for clients, more, more of a cost because what I would probably want to do, because I'm like, I'm just super fascinated by like human behavior and lifestyle and everything that leads to how somebody eats and why they do what they do. I would want to talk to them for 30 minutes, an hour, and just know everything about their day to day. Let them know that I am not here to judge them. 
I am here to learn about their lifestyle so I can help them. I would want to know everything from walk me through your average day, walk me through the weekends, especially tell me who in your life is helpful or harmful for your goals. Why do you believe that? What is your dieting history? What is your general activity? What are your workouts? How is your sleep? How would you rate your stress and what stresses you out and what fills up your cup? Do you have any events planned? Why do you have this goal? The depth I would probably go into at this point would be very fun for me, but something that I probably couldn't scale as well. Now, that's not to say we didn't do an amazing job without that information. I just think we could probably do even better if we did have it. And now this stuff usually comes up over time, like as we were coaching people, but I would probably want to get out in front of some of this stuff. And then I would, you know, I would just, I would set their calories, maybe their macros or maybe just their protein. And I would give them food suggestions, but not necessarily meal plans in terms of like, Hey, these are probably proteins. I would look into carbs, fats, no doubt. I would, I mean, you know how it goes, right? I would say, Hey, limit the recipes because, and this is a big thing, right? This is all about variables for people. I I would say the most successful people had fewer variables in their food than the unsuccessful people. Some people wanted to make these recipes that were literally eight ingredients. They had to measure six of them. And then they would say, here are my macros. And I say, oh man, there's a lot of room for error there. Like you can't really mess up a chicken breast, but you could see it really well after the fact. So I think that's just a, a general tip for people trying to lose weight, be healthier, be in better shape. Consider what you get from these recipes. If it takes you longer to create a MyFitnessPal entry than it does to eat the thing, consider a a simpler swap. I totally agree on a lot of the things that you mentioned. I want to start at the end. You mentioned fewer variables. Same thing that I see, and it is the more opportunities we have for air, the more air there's likely to be, especially now as everyone is so busy. We have endless number of things taking up time, taking up headspace. And when that's the case, mistakes happen. And then we're off by how much we eat, right? And then we can feel like we're doing the right thing. We're already stressed out and not getting the result that we want. And that can be really frustrating. On meal plans, meal plans, meal plans. One of the most often asked thing for in the fitness industry is, can I just have a meal plan? And the issue with meal plans is they might work for a very short period of time, but they don't teach you how to become self-sufficient in the process itself. And that's the beautiful part of being able to track and then learning how to cook and prepare some meals. And so having a meal plan, like as a suggestion, as a baseline, can it work? It can. However, and this is coming from somebody who just wrapped up a photo shoot. I've done many of these things, been, you know, very lean, bulked up all these things, you know, throughout the years, I can only follow a meal plan 80% of the time, like when I'm fully dialed in and the other times, like with my family and I want to have a personal life and a social life and I'm running a business. Frankly, like there's no fucking way. Like no, no, it's, no. it's not going to happen. It's a way I that love, I think I about it. Like, oh my God. Yeah. I have this thought behind it. So first I think people have, they have two thoughts about meal plans as clients. They think it's easier and they think I am a unique and special individual and only certain foods will work for what I want to achieve. Both of those things are false. The first point, it's not easier because you still have to shop. You still have to cook. You still have to measure. You still have to clean. You still have to eat. So what do you actually get? I'd argue you get nothing. You get something taken away from you. You get your individual food personality taken away from you. So the illusion of meal plan equals easier, I will say meal plan equals harder because you're still doing all the work. 
you're just not allowed to choose what you want to eat, which sucks. And by the way, like you said, you're not going to learn. So you bring your meal plan to work. Some jerk at work takes your food by accident. Now what do you do? You need to know how to replace that food, the quantity, the quality in a manageable way. And people, I think like we just, it's probably our parents' fault that we're like, oh, you're so special. You're so unique. You're great. <laughs> Participation <laughs> trophies, baby. Food, food does outside of like allergies and tolerances, whatever. Food does what it does for me, for you, for almost everyone else. Like chicken is going to digest like it's going to digest with me and you. Bagels, sweet potatoes, cookies, all of it. Our bodies are basically the same in terms of how we're going to digest and utilize nutrition. So you don't need, as a client, you don't need some special meal plan cocktail that's specific for you. Now, I understand why people think that because everybody sells them on that crap. Like, oh, you're unique. You're special. Oh, you just turned 40? Whoa, you need something really special. Like, no. I was talking to someone today. They were messaging me. They were like, hey, you know what I noticed that's really funny? Like, why does everyone lead? Like, hey, can you help me? I'm 41. I'm 52. I'm 26. Like, honestly, like that doesn't really matter. The biggest impact of age is like your activity levels, like, and maybe your influences with hormones, but it doesn't mean you need less food. That's my meal plan rant. I think people think it's special and helpful. I'll argue it's not. So why don't we meet in the middle? Here's a bunch of suggestions. Like, Go measure and cook those now. No, I think that's the best way to do it. Meal plans. It's like the old saying, give a man a fish, feed him for a day, teach a man a fish, feed him for the rest of his life. Meal plans are giving somebody the fish. If you have a structure and some suggestions, that's going to allow you enough of the right things to be able to personalize. Go to Flavor Gods, buy like 30 different types of seasonings and just spice up the same shit and make it taste really good. Like seriously, that that is the game. That is the game when it comes to nutrition. And back um, in the day, he only had like four four flavors. So everybody's lucky now. There's a lot. There's Dude, there is so much variety now that makes this stuff so much easier. Like I remember in our group when someone would go to Trader Joe's or whatever, they'd be like, what did you guys get? And then everyone's like, wow, that just made my life so much easier. Yeah. I mean, you don't have to eat mesquite, lemon pepper, like a shitty barbecue seasoning, then like the garlic salt, right? Like you can, <laughs> you can have a lot more variety there. I love it. And, you know, hearing the differences in the way that you would approach business, I think really speaks to understanding the social structures and the things that most people don't think about in regards to lifestyle. That's something that we made a big switch on as well with our coaching. It's like, Sometimes people get frustrated. They're like, I have to hop on a call before I sign up for coaching. I'm like, yeah, because what we do is going to be built around these social structures about what's what your past history of dieting is, about what your family is like, what your work life is like, how much sleep you're getting, because all these factors can change what's happening at the baseline cellular level of your body and your ability, more importantly, to adhere to a plan consistently. And then we have a 30 minute call, like as we get started with our clients. And the reason is, listen, like if you're trying just random apps and this isn't working or piecemealing stuff together on YouTube or TikTok videos, and like, hey, how come I'm doing all these things that people say it's right? It's because there's something missing. And a lot of times your family history or your history of dieting, like if you've been seriously yo-yo dieting for years, like you can have some serious issues going on potentially with like thyroid function or your body might be apt to store more body fat when you inevitably come right back up and have a 4,000 calorie bender after eating a thousand calories a day for a while, right? And so it's like all these different components play a huge role in how effective something is going to be both on the individual level, but also in terms of your lifestyle and how much you're going to be able to adhere to that process. Yeah, it's uh, it's 
it's crazy when you think about all the factors that go into this stuff. And it's, you know, we joke now that like, now that I'm a parent, it's like, if I see one more 26 year old coach talk about sleep, I'm just going to lose my mind because it's like, yeah, man, like sleep is really important. But this parent has a baby that's not going to bed and all of their time is spent with the baby. Like they're going to want to stay up and watch TV at the end of the night. Like just find something else to talk about. Yeah. You know, stay in your lane a little bit. I, I have to laugh and call myself out a little bit because I mean, I got started as a coach, which is wild. Like, I mean, I started coaching people when I was like 19 and I got into the online space at 22. Right. And you're, you're an OG. I know I'm, I'm like a young OG, I guess it's kind of, kind of yeah, strange. Yeah. <laughs> and so of course I was like sucking up all the personal development stuff, everything I can, like time management, discipline, all of this. While a lot of those key principles hold steady, it's a lot different when you're actually in the shit. You know, like it's it's a lot different. I mean, you and I were going back and forth right now. Like one of us is sniffling, the other one coughs back and forth. Dude, so we got kids. I apologize to the listeners. I'm a I'm a disaster over here. Dude, if you're watching video, I got like a Kleenex in my hand. I'm like, looks like I'm like doing cocaine or I'm something. <laughs> and it's like a cough. <laughs> yeah, man. It's like like last night, I think I was, uh, I just looked at my sleep score. I had five hours and 32 minutes and like mm. two hours in the night was on my daughter's floor because like she had a nightmare. I'm like, yeah, it's like these components and these little things that take the idea of like, oh, this should work because I saw it on Instagram. And like, here's the nuance. Here's the context, which must, must be applied. And here's why a strategy like this is going to work so much better. Um, turn your, turn your TVs, uh, and your screens off two hours before bed. Okay. Like I watch my kids on our monitor on these screens like yeah you're not getting away from this stuff so yeah it's about weaving it in strategically and at least being aware i think awareness is the biggest thing both in terms of lifestyle and nutrition where a lot of people aren't fully aware of some habits and behaviors and then from there it's like well what can i adjust how can i improve without being perfect on it where i'm gradually making improvements across the board helping fifty thousand people one million pounds Building a team. Building a team is an incredibly difficult thing, right? Like it's one thing to be able to help <laughs> it's one thing to be able to help somebody at an individual level. But as a business started to grow, what was that like? I mean, how did it feel kind of probably letting go of different responsibilities and then training up a team and developing a system? Yeah, that was crazy because like when I quit my job, I was like, Oh, I'm gonna have all this free time. Like if I did two jobs, I could do like this in like half the time. And then I was like, oh crap, I'm dedicating even more time. And then it kept growing. And I was like, all right, I need some coaches. So I hired three and I was like, all right, you guys know what I know in terms of nutritional science. You're on social media all the time like me. That's how we became friends and we met. And you have a certain level of service ideals that align with Stronger You. I'm just gonna bring you guys on. Here's how it's gonna work. Here's how we coach. Here's the spreadsheet. Here's the guide. Here's the group. Like you guys see how I operate and let's roll. And there was some like onboarding and like prep and all that fun, boring stuff, which is kind of, uh, I guess, kind of conflicts with what I'm saying. Fun, boring. But then like, dude, we just kind of learned as we went. I think, again, I think businesses want to perfect everything versus like just kind of do it and see what happens. And for me, the biggest thing was like, are customers happy and getting results? Like, if that is happening in business or in our business, I should say, then everything else can take a backseat. You can just worry about it less. So like I wasn't this like over overly systemized guy. I had my systems and my ideals and my philosophies based on nutrition and service, but everything else could kind of fill in the gap. So it was really just like how we're serving 
200 people, we're going to serve 2,000, we're going to serve 20,000, 50,000, whatever. There was just, as we grew more layers, like admins and like we brought PhDs on staff to like educate. Um, we eventually had like a community manager, things like that. It was really hard for me to step back because something I call quality leakage, when you're the boss and you're the owner and you're the one doing the thing, like you're just going to care and do it better than anyone else. That's not a knock on those people. It's like, just like me at other jobs, why, why am I going to do what the owner does? Like, I'm not that crazy person. So like when they were answering things certain ways, I'd be like, oh crap. Like I know if I answered that, it would be different and arguably better. But I had to accept that I couldn't do it all. And my value was in other places than answering a, a message about like, hey, tell me about the program. Like someone else can do that. I'm going to go talk to the customers. I'm going to go talk to the future customers. I'm going to go out there and talk to the coaches. So I knew that that was more valuable in terms of what it would bring to the business than like the little things. But I do miss some of that stuff. Like I know that, like it, it sounds crazy, right? But like, this is what Mr. Beast talks about, you know? that guy, right? The most yeah. popular YouTuber of all time. He basically clones himself. He gets people that are like, they want to work with him. He's like, all right, come live with me and watch what I do. That's kind of what I would do in a way where I was just present everywhere online where our community was. So everyone was like, oh, that's how Mike responds. That's he's quick. He's, I don't know, funny at times. Like he puts personality into things. Okay. I can do that. And then people would just kind of do that stuff. And that's not to say there was like a hundred mics. There was a few mic like people there, but we had like such a nice balanced team. Like it really was like the cliche of like, this is the Avengers. Like I can do this, you can do that, but together we can protect the galaxy. That was just kind of it, man. It was like, it was so fun. But it really is like if if someone's listening and they're like, I want to build a big team, like you don't set out to build a big team. You add the pieces as you need them and you accept that there are costs to a lot of this stuff, like not necessarily just salaries, but like mo money, mo problems, right? Like that's a real thing. Like, yeah, maybe the best and most fun at work was maybe when we were 35 people not 80 people because then like I lose touch with certain individuals. People get resentful. Oh, we're too big. I don't want to grow. I'm like, well, my goal is to help a shit ton of people. So like, are you on the bus or are you not on the bus? And that was like, personally, like for me, kind of hard to deal with because it's like, all right, when you're small, everybody's like best friends and then you grow and it's like, all right, well, this is, this is work. Like we can't talk as much as we used to, but I'm here. You see me all day. Like I am here. The amount of wisdom in there, I can see your nutritional foundation actually seeping into the fabric of the way you built a team, yeah. have ideas and a framework. And then within that framework, give people the opportunity to grow and to be individuals. And knowing many of the coaches who, who work for you, I know they have many unique personalities as well that I saw throughout that entire process, right? And being able to let those people like shine through and do things in their own unique way while sticking to the um, underlying components and the, and the brand and the foundation is absolutely crucial to building that team. Much in the same way, understanding the framework that you need nutritionally to be able to lose that body fat, but then being able to have that unique individualization is what it makes is what makes it work for you, right? Um, and of course, more options, more people, more complexity. When in doubt, simplify. You know, keep yep. things as simple as you can. Yeah, that that was it. Like everyone here is on the same page in terms of nutritional science and service. Like, cool, be yourself. I'm not going to tell you how to answer a question about 
carbs like you know that add your flair add your fun and let's let's do it and that's like we i think over the course of like hiring over 100 coaches we only had to let go like two so like we had a really 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 good way to like identify hire and onboard coaches and it wasn't like people probably hear that and they're like well that was probably crazy and rigorous it's like no like i just would spot these people and i'd be like all right like you seem to have the right personality for this thing you come from a camp of knowing your stuff. Like with assessments we would give, I would ask people like, who do you learn from in the field? Right now, if I put that out there, I'd probably get some scary answers, right? There are some scary people in this field who are influencing people who we would probably look at as like evidence-based colleagues. Now, if I saw that come across our little careers inbox, I'd be like, nope, sorry, man. Like who you're learning from is completely a complete conflict of what we do here. So like that stuff, like when I tell coaching companies, like if you're going to hire people, find out who these people are learning from. Don't just look into their education because that's old news. They learned that seven years ago, eight years ago, two years ago, whatever. They're learning today on their Instagram feed. And if they're learning from the wrong people, they're going to conflict with your entire brand philosophy. And that I was such, I'm such a lunatic about it. Probably everybody that ever worked with me can say that. Dola was nuts about his brand. And that I think was such a important component of our, of our story. Well, it keeps you consistent, you know? And I think one thing that's important, especially now with like the influencer type culture that we see is there's some of like business coaching programs and mentorship things and big personalities. And especially when you're younger, you know, you might put some of these people on a pedestal and consume all their content. And, and I don't think what people realize is like subconsciously, you are internalizing a lot of the structures and the values that they have, even if you don't realize it. Like even if you, you look back, them. you do. You become them. Right? Their and, thoughts, their beliefs, their processes, you are just a mini version of them. And that's like you're saying, you have to be very careful of that. Yeah. It's similar to parenting, right? Like kids are going to model what you do. They might not listen to what you say. And as somebody who's invested a lot in different mentorship, you know, in terms of becoming a better coach, in terms of building my business, all of these things. Now I can step back and look and be like, I picked up some really good things from this person, this person, this person. Like I can also see what values that maybe aren't necessarily in alignment with who I want to be or what I want to build later on, you know? And I think that's an important like thing to consider of when you're consuming content, when you're looking at different things, is this the person that you trust that you vibe with that is actually in alignment with the person that you want to become? And what are some things that maybe aren't in alignment? And it's fine to not be obviously 100% with somebody on all those things, but it's something to be aware of. Oh yeah. There's there's a lot of good friends I have in the industry that I'm like, eh, I don't agree with that. They're like, don't ever do a discount. I'm like, eh, actually like there's really like there's really good reasons why you could do it. Like customer service reasons. It's just, I don't know. People have their um their like hills that they die on and you have to be careful of like what those are because it can be the exact reason your business doesn't succeed. Like response times. Like I was a I was a freaking weirdo about it. I'm like, yeah, text me whenever. It's like people hear that and they're like, oh my God. Like coaches ask me, they're like, what happens when someone texts you at midnight? I'm like, they don't. They just feel like they can, but I'm asleep. I won't answer. I'll answer in the morning and they'll be fine. But it's like you offer the access because people hear, oh, cool. He's with me. I'm always with him. Like, yeah, that's kind of the whole thing. Yeah. It's not necessarily that they're going to text you 24 seven. It's that, no, they, does this person have my back? Do they have my support? Because that's what most people are lacking, especially with health, especially with yeah. wellness. And what a lot of coaches don't realize <laughs> is the amount of friction that a lot of people face at home, where it's a woman is looking to get you know back into shape after having a couple couple kids and husband kind of let himself go. And as soon as she does, maybe husband Joe is insecure with that. <laughs> Yo, and... Dumb. 
It's Guilt's, so common. It, it's unbelievable. It pisses me off more than yep. just about yep. anything. Um, so men, get your shit together for number one. Again, and this uh, is your problem. She wants to feel good. You're the jerk here. And you survive on more calories. Like you can go out and it won't impact you like it would someone smaller. Like it, I, I think, and this is going to sound maybe controversial and rub people the wrong way, but I think dieting and fitness, nutrition, whatever you want to call it, shows a lot of people they married the wrong person. I think so. I think, and this jumps somewhat into like the financial aspects of it. So again, don't take this the wrong way, but like at least the way my relationship, the way that this works, like my wife and I, like we're fine to spend our money individually how we want. We collaborate on big expenses. Like that can be like, Lauren, guess what? Like just bought a Porsche. Like, <laughs> you know, that's yeah, not gonna like- be nice. Uh, yeah. Like that. Yeah. Right? Like, hey, I'll, I'll let you know, like, but when it comes to like she like she's an endurance athlete, she has a coach. Like if she wants to spend money on these things, like awesome. When we talk about things like this, it's not like, honey, can I do this? It's not asking permission. It's like, can I have your support on this thing that I want to do? And if you're not getting support, I think that's something that you really need to think about in terms of the way that things are functioning, right? I think it's like if a relationship is again factoring in everyone's unique financial situation, but like if you can't do things that you feel are necessary for your health, for your mindset, for your body, thinking you need permission from somebody else instead of just saying, I'm going to do this thing in my support because I know what's best for me. Like there's probably an underlying thing that needs to be addressed there. So common. I think unless, until you get a lot of experience in this field, like you're not going to see it, but there's a lot of factors like that. Like we used to have people that wanted to mail us money orders to like, because they didn't want their husband to find out. It's like, he's going to find out when you're like on your phone and like messaging us and measuring or whatever the heck you're doing over there. Like that sucks, man, to have that type of restraint. But like, what do you say? Like, yeah, here's my address, like mail it over. Yeah. I, I can empathize with it. Like hundred percent. I, I think it's just like one of those things where, you know, with health, with nutrition, with training, it's, it's, it's just been clear, like, Hey, I, I need to do this thing for, for me. And I want your support with along the way and understanding that there's going to be some friction. And I think from the spouse side, whether man, woman doesn't really matter is having the clarity to be like, or at least having the understanding that like when someone's going to make a change, they are not doing it because they're upset at you. Like they're not eating differently as a means to try to disconnect from you. They are doing it because they think it's in their best interest to feel better about themselves, to be healthier. And if you are actively working against that, judging someone saying, oh, I wish I wish the old, you know, Mike would show up and, and, and come drink and party and do all these things or like, <laughs> how come you're not fun anymore? Like all you're doing is eroding that relationship. And it's not that that person isn't fun, isn't, doesn't, you know, enjoy those things or did not enjoy those memories. It's just right now in this phase, like, they're working on improving themselves. And when you throw those jabs, that can be enough to not only throw them off track with something that's really important for them, but it is going to build resentment. And resentment in any friendship, relationship, partnership, whatever it is, is the makings of a death sentence. And I think yeah. you got to be really careful with that from the partner perspective when it comes to, comes to anything related, obviously to health, but anything across the board. Yeah, I think one of the most important things you could do is try to find like people that want to be on a similar journey with you. That's why I like group fitness, like a lot of like, you could argue it's not the best thing if you want to get in the best shape, right? Like individualized programming is probably the best. But in terms of like community and friendship, like CrossFit and stuff like that is really cool for people. And then like get your husband or your wife or boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever on programs with you. Like we would, we would see such great success when both partners were on the program. It was like the coolest thing. They were just happy doing it together. It was so cool. 
Yeah, we see the same thing and, and we incentivize people for that as well. You know, we yeah. kind of sweeten the pot with everybody because when you have that support, when you're in lockstep, like awesome, you can change together and then you can change the really the direction of your family, which is which is really good. Like if you got kids and they see that stuff, it's gonna be gonna be crucial. One of the questions we would always get is like, Well, we're gonna eat differently. I'm like, No, no, you eat the same. You just maybe one person eats a little bit more. Like your chicken breast is a little bigger than her chicken breast and it's cool. Like Makes it even easier than normal. You know, Dr. Spencer Nadolsky, I, I haven't seen these memes in a while, but would do that well. Oh, yeah. He'd do a picture of his meal and then his wife's meal right next. And, his uh, or hers, yeah, yeah. Exactly. He probably like, got some, someone probably yelled at him for identifying it or something. Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> probably going to get canceled, but everything can do that these days. But no, yeah, Mike, I, mean, I, I say things about like weight loss and happiness and how I think it's, you know, the way to health. And, you know, someone's going to come in my inbox and yell at me. Dude, internet is wild. I was looking the other day and I had somebody that um, had like a post that went viral and like one guy called me scrawny and then like two comments below, someone accused me of being on steroids. I'm like, man, I just can't win. You know? Right. That's why you can't <laughs> like, dude, don't take anything serious, right? Like I had someone in a comment was like, says the guy with gray hair. I'm like, oh, like, okay. Like, what, dude, who cares? Like everyone is so weird, right? What, or the reason people love you is the same reason other people hate you. And it's like, maybe just get to know me. And that's how I think of, I think of social sometimes. I'm like, oh, I'm going to post this and these people are going to think I'm such an idiot. It's like, yeah, but when I meet people, like I, like you said, I think I'm relatable. Like I'm pretty chill. Like I'm just a happy go lucky dude, like happy to talk to anybody, help them out. So like, that's the vibe I want to put out. But sometimes on social, I'm like, all right, I'm just going to be a little more direct here. So if that affects the way someone views me, okay, like I don't care because I do the same to other people, right? Like we see a post by some person we're like what a jerk but they're not really a jerk they're just posting on social yeah it's literally like 0.00% of that person ever um, <laughs> you know coming on with a with a small snippet that probably doesn't have context because like the con way that content's put out right now it doesn't really apply for that you know I was listening to a it was a hell of a podcast yesterday Joe Rogan and, and Aaron Rodgers just going down all the rabbit holes but one thing they mentioned <laughs> but as you can imagine right um, but one thing that they discussed was you know, when Aaron Rodgers was taking, you know, all the heat with like the vaccine comments and all of this. Yep. And Joe replies, he's like, who are these people who actually go on social media and just leave hateful comments all the time? Like, do you actually know any of these people who spent all day on social media just talking trash to complete strangers? Yeah. And I don't know anyone who actually does that. Um, I try to operate from the sense of like, I'm not going to say anything online that I wouldn't say to you in person. And that includes if there's a fear of me being punched in the face by you, yeah, because yeah. <laughs> you never know. You never know. And I think that's just um, the way you have to operate. It's just like, would I have this conversation with somebody in real life based on what's being said right here? Or would I keep my trap shut? I don't know. Um, yeah. It's a good way to think about it. Mike, this has been an incredibly insightful conversation, both regarding helping over 50,000 people lose a million pounds, and then, of course, being able to sell Stronger You. Thank you so much for joining us. Where can we find out more about you? Thank you, Eric. Um, at Mike Dola. I do have a website, MikeDola.com, that I have uploaded zero things to. So maybe this is incentive to start writing a little longer posts and putting them up there. Because I love, like, you know me, man. I My goal now is like, be good dad, be good husband, help my industry that was good to me and help the people that the industry is trying to help. That's the message I want to put out there. Awesome. Much appreciated. And until next time, look great naked without living in the gym. Hey, it's Eric here again. Now, there are three ways that I can help you look great naked. Number one, if you want to grab a free copy of the Look Great Naked Protocol to help you lose body fat without counting calories, then go to bachperformance.com backslash free training. 
Number two, if you're a busy guy looking to build muscle, then I recommend checking out our Minimalist Muscle Blitz, which has helped over 1,000 men build muscle without living in the gym. Just go to minimalistmuscleblitz.com. The link will also be available in the show notes. Or number three, and last, if you want to work with me directly and get the best results possible, apply at bachperformance.com backslash coaching to look great naked without living in the gym. Until next time, my friend, 